online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show uh, with uh, myself and Bob. Ah, very good evening to the show tonight, where, where we have a slight twist on what normally happens. Because we've got a prize for you to win. Yes, it's competition time. Very excited. Uh, we've teamed up with Claude Bernard Watches. Uh, we'll be catching up with uh, uh, Mark Kane a little later on to find out a bit more about with, uh, what you can win. And if that wasn't enough, we have also um, had an interview with the most smiley Wicked Wanderers player that ever was. Who could it be? Who could it be? Who have you been speaking to? Sergio Torres. Oh, wow. It's great. He's quite, great to chat to. I'm quite, quite jealous. Uh, was he very grinny uh, and, and was his hair all blonde and curly? <laughs> <laughs> yes, to both. Yeah, no, very, very jealous. Uh, I will also uh, be hearing the thoughts of Gareth Ainsworth after both the Coventry City game uh, and our visits to AFC Bournemouth. How was his hair? Um, yeah, it was it was all right. Fairly rock starry as normal. Uh, you know, black, black uh, leather jacket, dark blue jeans uh, and sandy coloured boots, I think, for both games, from what I remember. This show will be the ideal pick-me-up if you're disappointed and perhaps had tickets to see Wickham against QPR on Saturday, which we'll be looking ahead to. But uh, uh, unfortunately, no fans. And uh, we'll be reviewing and uh, looking ahead to Wickham Wanderers ladies' next game as well. Yes, I mean, that is probably the big news from today. Is obviously the 2,000 fans that are hoping to go to the game against QPR. Unfortunately, because Buckinghamshire will be moving into Tier 3 from one minute past midnight on Saturday, uh, it will mean that the game has to be played behind closed doors. However, the club have said... Um, uh, that all season ticket holders will still be able to watch the game on iFollow, uh, which of course is the online platform. It's really sad because obviously supporters were just sort of getting used to uh, obviously uh, returning to games and I'm sure the players were just getting used to having fans back as well. Uh, it's such a shame because yes I think we were all just getting used to it it was wonderful on Saturday that 2,000 fans were in Adams Park um, the, the the noise that they made when there were 1,000 was quite impressive the noise with 2,000 you know it almost sounded like a, a, a normal game uh, in fact if you weren't really looking you I don't think you would have necessarily sort of thought oh that's a bit funny everybody's sitting quite a long way away from each other and I think we all thought we all wondered whether actually you'd be able to get a chance going in those scenarios well the, the definitely the result is yes you completely can because yeah the home support uh, against Coventry on Saturday was wonderful and did sound really really loud and impressive and absolutely you know it's so upsetting uh, the news today that we've been moving into tier three for all football fans uh, particularly given the fact that we've got a couple of home games coming up over Christmas which I'm sure everybody was looking forward to Christmas football anyways is a special thing and the fact that it's going to be denied us uh, does seem a little bit hard and especially disappointing for everyone involved in the club, it's obviously put so much work into getting the fans back as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've talked uh, over the past couple of weeks just about how impressed we've been that the club have been so proactive, they've been so ready for this as soon as they got the word that, yes, they could let the fans in. Uh, you know, they've been doing everything that they possibly could to make sure that actually 1,000 fans at the first game were, were in and then 2,000 fans at the game on Saturday. It is a real shame. Uh, shame for everybody. You know, it was nice at Bournemouth, even though obviously there were no away fans there but it still felt far more normal to have a crowd there albeit that they, they none of them really were of a Wicked Wanderers persuasion uh, but that definitely felt better uh, and it was lovely to see the ovation that they gave Ryan Alsop both uh, before the game uh, and when he came out uh, after half time uh, at both ends of the ground because clearly he used to be an AFC Bournemouth player and he's obviously very fondly remembered there. That's nice isn't it when players go back to their former clubs and are well received. Absolutely it, it is lovely and it's one of the things that 
that we do miss, I think. And obviously it's one of the things that we are going to miss now on Saturday. Gareth Ainsworth clearly facing uh, the club that he played, made the most appearances for, uh, possibly one of those clubs that, you know, that holds him dearest to their heart, along with ourselves, uh, Queen's Park Rangers. You just think, had times been normal, then yes, I'm sure he would have got an absolutely rousing reception from the, the town end QPR supporters. You know, I know that they were very grateful for him to do the QPR online quiz during uh, the first lockdown uh, when he dressed up as Gene Simmons uh, he, and he clearly has a lot of you know a, a lot of love for that football club in the way that he does about Blackburn Rovers as well and also of course we've got to say does about us absolutely so we'll, we'll lift your spirits in the next hour uh, we've both had comments haven't we that people people like the humour of the show <laughs> yes <laughs> yes which we were pleasantly surprised about so shall yes. we put it that way we, d- we didn't realise there was any but, uh, <laughs> no absolutely we do but, our best yeah no point out when there's humour we can, we can definitely yeah, okay. we can de- but yeah unfortunately if that's the right, the right word we we, we, we need to sort of sort of drop the mood a little in that uh, the last two games haven't produced uh, any points, but uh, they have produced uh, many many positive talking points, uh, including uh, Coventry, where there was a, there was a goal disallowed. Oh, and you know, and that was so so annoying. Right at the end, uh, Scott Cash kept tapping in, uh, and then it was given offside. And really, when it was watched back, I think everybody felt that no, it, uh, he was probably on or at least level. One of those ones. You do think, well, yes, if we'd had VAR, you know, what, what, would, what, what would that have made of it? I'm not particularly a fan of VAR. I think it does hold up games, mm. it, you know, it, it's... And also, it, I think the way that it is applied is, is so ridiculous in that actually, yes, your fingernail can basically mean that you're offside. I don't think we want that, but at the same time, we want better officials than we have had so far. I know that Gareth in Leagues 1 and Leagues 2 constantly was calling for the fact that actually the officials should be full time we've now got those in the championship and they're not really very much better so you do think well what you know what is the next step i definitely don't think that it's var i think there is some some happy medium maybe that you could have but uh, the way that var has been applied i wouldn't want to see it in the championship because after the previous game we, we mentioned that, that looked a little tired and, and gareth obviously made some changes and i i recall on my way to doing the classified football results bit of self-plugging there that um <laughs> that i sent you a message and this looks a really positive lineup and i was saying did you did you feel optimistic for a for a good score and then you replied when two nil downs so <laughs> not now yeah, sorry yeah I, I was a bit busy when you you um you contacted me we must come back to the fact that you read the football results because that's i'm sure something that not many people know and also it, it is quite an impressive thing because there aren't that many people who read the football results nationally in the country. No. I think probably only about three, and you are one of them. I'm especially looking forward to 4-5 against these five, which uh, is this Of course, well, you know, again, that's the sort of thing I was going to ask you. So, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, but, yeah, it was good to see that actually very much the, the pack was shaken on Saturday. And it, it looked a strong lineup. Didn't it, it definitely worked, yeah. Uh, it really did. You know, even the fact uh, that Bayo wasn't, wasn't starting, and we have said constantly that actually Wickham need to come up with a, a different plan. We can't constantly rely... Um, on Bayo, you know he's 38 years old yes he's still absolutely brilliant um, but clearly we, we do need to have a plan B and you could argue I suppose that actually we had to then go back and rely on the plan A because obviously he came on after an hour he replaced Alex Samuel um, David Wheeler came on uh, Gareth McCleary came on as well for Horgan and Matt Bloomfield just to try and get us back in the game but we had been playing well uh, we had been creating the chances it was a little bit again uh, like the Preston game where very frustratingly actually Coventry were given two opportunities to score that they shouldn't really probably have had and they scored both of them Bob spoke to the manager 
after the game to get his thoughts. Once again, we're, we're talking about two goals, really, that, that the opposition didn't really have to work very hard about. No, you, you know, at this level, you can't gift goals. You can't. You, we are uh, unfortunate for the first one, little mistake. Uh, let him in, he scored a great strike, Kelly. And then the set play, we've got to defend set plays, but we know that at any level. Look at the game last night in the Premier League. West Ham leads, all three goals, set plays. So if it's good enough for the, cha- uh, the Premier League, it's definitely good enough for the Championship. We've got to defend them better. Having said that, Honestly thought we were a better team today. The opposition managers told me we were a better team. We've scored at the end. It's clearly onside. I don't know why the referees, well, the assistant referee has given that um, offside. It seems like nothing's going for Wickham at the moment in the championship. But in that second half of the season, believe me, if it does, we'll be more than capable of surviving. And I want to deliver survival to my owners, my fans, my players. And I'm sure we will. Would you like to see VAR introduced into the championship? <laughs> I would today, yeah, definitely. I think we've had a couple of penalty issues. We don't tend to we don't tend to get away with much in the championship, and I think that the smaller clubs. I'm not saying there's any bias. I just think that there seems to be something about the smaller clubs. I spoke to Daniel Farker when we played Norwich, and he said we're getting exactly the same when we were in the Premier League. And why is that? It's something maybe to look into. But um, VAR would certainly help. But Am I a fan of that? I'm not sure. Today I probably would have been because we'd have got a point. And also, we never seem to get anything with regards to Bayo, who seems to get fouled a lot, but because of his size, referees never give anything. Listen, the big man can look after himself and uh, and he's used to that. Like I say, it, two moments where I'm not happy, 88 minutes where I'm more than happy, and I'm sure the fans are too. The reception they gave the players coming off and, and the, uh, the positivity coming out of this place I thought was excellent and... Uh, Really pleased that the fans are back in. There's a 2,000 fans been waiting years and years to see Wickham Wanderers in the Championship, and I think they'll be proud of what they saw today. I thought there was a very important moment just after the kickoff today, where obviously Coventry and the referee forgot about taking the knee. When all of the players did then take the knee, everybody in the ground applauded and just showed that actually this club is completely united in support of that gesture. Listen, I am so behind that gesture. I am so behind getting uh, equality throughout the world and and I hope that this in football can help with that. All I will say is that um, it wasn't just Coventry players, I think Wickham players as well, that everyone, everyone just sort of got it wrong at the start but I'm I'm really pleased everyone got it right and then even more pleased the fans applauded and made it a real poignant moment. It's fantastic. Some things are bigger than football. It's definitely one of them. That must have been one of those sort of moments as well where you thought, oh, this is, this is nice to have the support in. It, it, it was brilliant. It, it was a really touching moment. Uh, you know, it was a bizarre start to the game. So Coventry kicked off. And as they then kicked off, the, the player who kicked off basically tried to pass it to a player who'd already taken the knee. Um, and at that point, obviously, then realised what had happened. Uh, and the referee hadn't really realised either uh, and then did. Um, and so then sort of had to blow the whistle again almost to signal, right, OK, it's now time to take the knee. Let, let's, let's pretend that that other bit didn't happen almost. That's how it sort of looked. And so then they did all take the knee. Some of the Wickham fans had started booing the Coventry players for the fact, or the Coventry player for the fact that actually they hadn't taken the knee. And then as soon as everybody did take the knee, the whole ground erupted into applause. And, you know, after some of the things that, that we've heard at other clubs uh, over the past couple of weeks, I, it was very, very heartening to see. Fantastic. And, and, and it's obviously not quite the same, well, maybe impactfulness, but when there's there's no crowd there either and just sort of taking the knee and it's just quiet all around and then just carry on. Yeah, uh, and uh, it was interesting to speak to Gareth 
about it mm. uh, and just get his his thoughts and you know he obviously is absolutely passionately 100% behind it um, it'll be interesting to see what happens this Saturday um, clearly Les Ferdinand at QPR um, has spoken and said that you know clearly he very much supports the reasons behind it but he does feel that it is one of those gestures that so often seems to happen in football that actually after a while it just becomes the gesture and it's not really addressing the real issue and I completely understand and I can completely respect that uh, so but it will be interesting to see what does actually happen uh, against QPR whether or not you know the knee is taken I would imagine as it's a home Wickham game it probably will be and also good that on a Tuesday night you get another chance after a, a defeat and no points on the Saturday another chance pretty quickly to kind of try yeah. and recommend yeah I, I mean slightly in two minds about that whether or not it was it was too soon and the fact that against Barnsley on that Wednesday we had looked really really tired but it wasn't like that at all we we looked really really fresh we gave Bournemouth a really good game it, it, as Gareth has said previously actually nobody's going to want to face us at the moment d- despite our league position uh, I thought that again was a really positive thing we gave Bournemouth a fantastic game uh, and you know we're, again we're very very unlucky and disappointing to have a man sent off as well. Yeah, I, you know, that again was, was very unfortunate. Alex Patterson was slightly unlucky. Uh, I definitely didn't feel there was any intent there. If you watch the incident, he certainly wasn't looking at the player. He wasn't going to go in and try and take his standing leg away, which is what happened. Uh, so it was unlucky. Uh, and as Gareth says after the game you know it, it was partly really brought about by the fact that as soon as it happened pretty much all 10 Bournemouth outfield players instantly made a beeline for the referee it's his first tackle of the game you got people sprinting 30 40 yards to get involved to start pushing people to start inflaming the situation for me that's that's the referee he's got to he's got to be stronger um but we're not going to expect anything of anyone in this league. We're going to give and give and give like we gave tonight, and we were superb. I will put my name to that performance any day. I thought they were brilliant today. Yeah, I mean, you were amazing. First half, I felt that you were growing into the game a bit. Second half, you came out, particularly early on in the second half, you were you were amazing. And then when you were down to 10, you know, you, you were the better team. Begovic has made bigger saves than Allsop tonight. Um, I know he's got to do that, and he's got to be there for that, but... We were absolutely superb tonight. Really, really were. I'm going to get looked at thinking, what is this guy on? Because he keeps coming out with these great performances but bad results. Please, watch the video, watch the game, because you will be so proud of your boys tonight, as I am. We'll go against Saturday now. Is it a case that we need to start winning those games against the teams that are around us, the Barnsley's, that sort of game? Of course, you know, we do need to start winning games against anyone, but we play like that. We'll beat anyone in this league, I tell you. We will beat anyone in this league, and... uh, and I'm just so pleased and so proud of the boys. They give everything. We've got our identity back. We're making noises in this league. And I want to make the biggest noise by causing the biggest upset to all the bookies in the world and staying in the championship. With regards to Saturday, clearly it's a big day for you facing QPR. Yeah, huge for me. You know, for the first time in a long time, I want QPR to get beat. That's where I played. played for the majority of my career and loved it. That place is phenomenal for me. I love, I love QPR. But... <laughs> the moment i love those boys in there and they're going to be giving me everything for saturday can't wait 
looking forward to it three points really nice for the manager to be coming up against his, his former clubs at this level as well yeah yeah definitely uh, you can tell that he relishes it you know he enjoyed very much the visit to Blackburn he enjoyed the visit to Preston uh, but QPR is clearly a club that is very very close to his heart uh, and so yeah I think he, he probably probably this was the second fixture that he looked for when the fixtures came out I think Blackburn probably was the first one but QPR was the second still to come on the Wickham Wanderer show this week uh, we'll be giving you the chance to win with Claude Bernard watches the official uh, Wickham Wanderer watch could be yours just in time for Christmas plus we're inviting you to get involved on social media as well as part of our poll this week heading towards our 20th game in the championship can you believe it no not really and you've been to them all Uh, I have yes yeah I I wasn't at the Brentford League Cup game but other than that I've been at them all Um, and yeah it's sort of slightly how have we managed to fit that number of games in? And I know the answer to that is that, well, pretty much they've been playing Saturday and then on Tuesday and Wednesday pretty much non-stop. Um, and so you can understand really why they're tired. And they must be looking forward to the QPR game and getting that out of the way because for the first time since the second international break, finally they are going to have a week off. Uh, but it is incredible that actually, yes, we're already almost halfway through the season. Just the two wins as well, which doesn't sound very many, does it? It doesn't really, does it? But anyway, that's what the question on social media is about tonight. So you've got 11 points from, uh, well, the 19 games, going into the 20th game with 11 points. How many points do you think after the next 20 uh, games in the Championship will it be double that, so 22? Will it be less, so less than 22, less than 22. Not, not less than 11, obviously? <laughs> it's not an A-level maths question, don't worry. <laughs> what time does the train leave? <laughs> or do you think it'll be more than 22? That's the, the question. You can get in touch uh, via Twitter. Uh, you can yeah, tweet us at Wickham Sound. Use the hashtag TWWS. If be less than 11 points, we'll be in trouble. We could turn it into an A-level question and we could just put the word discuss. <laughs> discuss, yeah, yeah. 25 marks, that one. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yes, do get in touch and we'll let you know how that's uh, going throughout the programme here at Wickham Sound. <laughs> It's the second half of a three-part programme uh, on Wiccan Sound. This is the Wiccan Wanderer Show. We're on every week. If you've missed any so far, there are, there are many we can recommend. You can catch up. You can, yes, uh, on, on all good podcast platforms. I yeah. believe it's how they say it. Yeah, no, I like that. <laughs> what time does the train leave? No, it's a different question. Um, yeah, there are, we've had uh, fantastic guests on. Uh, many thanks to uh, Alan and JDT from the X Players Association as well, who've, uh, who've um, liaised with us to, uh, to speak to all sorts of people, ranging from Keith Scott, Glyn Creaser, uh, all the way back to um, Len Whaley. We've had players from the late 40s, early 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s, but we're yet to speak to a player from the 21st century. I love the way that you, you thought about this and then thought, we need somebody from the 21st century. Yes, we need someone representing the 2000s. And, and it sounds slightly superheroish when you say that about the 21st century. And you've gone and got one of the Wickham superheroes. Not only one of them, but, but someone who's got a documentary out about their, 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 their life, essentially. Which, again, how many players can you say that about? Not many footballers full stop. No, exactly. Uh, someone like myself who, who came to Wickham from Basingstoke. Uh, and it's the, the boy with golden hair, as Abba didn't quite sing. Yeah, le- less like me in, in that yeah. case. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I wasn't describing you then. But fantastic to speak to uh, Sergio Torres, who came to Wickham in 2005. Which, when you say it like that, it does sound like a long time ago, doesn't it? It does, yes. 15 years ago. But you can still see his smile. <laughs> and does it seem like a long time ago to him? That's the question. Yeah, no, no. It feels, uh, it feels quite recent, to be fair. It was, uh, you know, my first professional club. And, of course, it's, uh, it's still very, very in my memory of course, uh, you know, my dream was to play professional and it took me two years to, to achieve that dream. But 
uh, I spent three amazing years at Wicom and um, yeah, I always, I always uh, have a special, special place in my heart. Because I think a number of supporters may have known kind of roughly the story. You know, you came from Argentina via Basingstoke. But having having watched the documentary, it's fantastic to know you know even more about sort of the, the sort of struggles that you went through. And obviously, you came originally for a trial at Brighton and, and stayed with a number of other people before that as well. It's a fantastic way of kind of finding out what you've kind of been through to get to what you did at Wickham, but also you know your career since. Yeah, no, no, it's exactly what you said, and. You know, we, I'm hoping with, with the documentary that people can see. Uh, you know, if you, if you have a dream, just just to go for it and try try your hardest to to achieve it. That's that's the the message. Um, you know, if you I don't know, we say in a football because football was my dream. But you know, people in other kind of jobs or anything that you would like to do in your life, just just try your best and don't get stuck in in, in you know the day to day what you do because maybe you're you're not loving what you're doing. So that that's that's the message, and yeah, I went I went through through a lot, especially like we said, like you know, seventeen, eighteen years ago when I didn't even have a, a mobile phone or I, I didn't have that contact with my family like we do it today. So it was that was the toughest thing I think for me it was like mainly the language, the bar- barrier. But you know, I saw it as an experience of life at the time, and I was like, I need to I need to take in everything and and learn and. Well, 18 years, I'm still living in England, so um, <laughs> uh, I really enjoy my time. It probably wasn't funny at the time, but there's a great moment in the documentary where uh, you're talking about you're standing outside the house at Norbury where you stayed and that you, you entered the bedroom and then you found out that you were sharing a bed with someone else, but you said there was, there was no cuddles. <laughs> yeah, that was my first uh, night in England, to be fair. It wasn't, it wasn't what I, I was uh, picturing in my head. Uh, I don't know, in Argentina, you know, we, we heard of London and we just, I knew the Big Ben and, you know, the, the Tower Bridge and all that stuff. And then when I when I arrived and uh, the agent took me to his house in Norbury, which is, yeah, uh, South London, near Croydon. And then I, uh, I didn't, well, I didn't, I didn't know where I was. And then, yeah, that first night I had to share share the bed with, with the complete stranger was, um, was something... Uh, like I said, I didn't expect it to be like that, but that first night was like, I was thinking in my head, what am I doing here? You know, I was fine back home. Like I had a job with my dad in the brick factory and all my friends. Um, I had a good life, but, you know, it wasn't, I couldn't do what I loved to do, which was to play football. So I thought, yeah, I tried my best. Hopefully your accommodation arrangements were better at Wickham. <laughs> uh, to if uh, John Gorman really helped me. When I, when I signed, of course, the money wasn't very good because I was a basis. And basically, we come offer me the same deal because they, they didn't know how I was going to do a, um, you know, a, a, a league, league level, a league two level. So um, I do, um, after, after a certain game, I had an arrangement in the contract that if I do well, that hopefully uh, get a bit more money. But because basically, um, yeah, I didn't have enough money. Um, John Gorman uh, came with me to see this family uh, who really helped me. And uh, yeah, I was living with them for one year. Um, just so it was, um, it really helped me as well to learn my English and improve my English. And yeah, I'm still, I'm still uh, in talking to them that they really helped me. You were talking about sort of fulfilling your dream. It must have been a real a great feeling when, when you signed for Wickham. Yeah, no, that's that's um, you know that that day is um, it was a very special day. Um, I played two years in non-league, uh, hoping for 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 that day to come. 
And yeah, like I said, John Gorman, I own everything to John Gorman. He put faith in me and it's not easy, you know, taking a player who was two league below. Um, I was 24 already, so I wasn't a young kid. But John saw something in me and then I said to him, you know, I'm going to work as hard as, as I can to, um, you know, not let you down. And then basically, um, yeah, for myself to to make my dream come true. And um, I, I called my family, my friends back home and everything. And yeah, it was a, a very, very special day. I'm sure your, your first game is probably still very memorable. Yeah, yeah, it was at home. Against uh, Chalnam, we were near nil, and John bring me on with half an hour to go, and then he, he finished near nil. But the first ball I touched, I went past two players, and I had a shot, and then I thought I scored. And yeah, I think that uh, created a bit of excitement on in the fans. And since that day, honestly, I couldn't believe the the fans were singing my my name straight away. It was it was a, a lovely, lovely memory. And I've honestly not known anyone before or since who had uh, wigs uh, of themselves that you could that fans would fans would wear wigs of the play. That must be quite well. It must be quite strange for you to see. It was. It was very strange. That was my second game. I think I saw uh, about ten people wearing wigs, and I just couldn't believe it. Uh, I think my my hair was uh, at, the, at that time was very very distinct and um, very unique. So people, yeah, I used to I used to get called all sorts of things every time we play away, but. You know, I just, I just, um, I just took it as a sponsor, and then the Wigan fans really took it to a, <laughs> to a high, and then yeah, they they started selling some wigs in the club shop. <laughs> <laughs> but you were so popular with the fans as well, and obviously your your style of play really really excited people to watch as well. Yeah, no, the, the fans were amazing. Like I said, since the first day, they started singing my name, and you know, from going to play uh, and where five hundred people were watching to. Seven, eight thousand people. Uh, it was, it was just for me. It was just a dream. And then even when they were singing my name, I just couldn't believe it. So, uh, like I said, I spent three amazing years. Uh, I was, you know, uh, when I left, I was excited to go to play higher because I always said to myself, you know, be, be true to yourself and play as high as, as you know, try to play as high as you can. But I was missing Wickham so much, and that really affected me because these three years, like I said, the fans, everyone at the club made me. So I welcome my teammates, and it's a club uh, that I, I really, really uh, love. And the game against Chelsea must be so special as well. Yeah, well, I was coming from a knee injury for about three months. I didn't play or I didn't train or anything. And I remember uh, I started training the 1st of January, that New Year's Day. I remember talking to Paul Lambert, and I said, look, I'm going to give it a go because, you know, I can't, I can't seem to get better from, from my injury. So I just went through it, basically. And nine days later, we played the first leg. Uh, was uh, he put me on the bench? I just I was so happy, I couldn't believe it. He bring me on the last ten minutes. We managed to score. When I was on the pitch, we drew one one. And 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 the second leg, again uh, two weeks later, was at Stamford Bridge, and that was I uh, was just just amazing. I I came on half an hour to go, I think, and then I remember the game stopped, and then I was looking around was. Drogba, Sevchenko, Lampard, Makelele was just players who were, you know, <laughs> amazing, amazing players. And I wasn't sharing the same pitch. So it was, um, like I say, it's a, it's a special, special occasion for me as well. There seem to be so many different groups of former Wiccan players who have, uh, you know, very special uh, sort of team groups of their time. And, and the, the team that you play with, the group of players, uh, seems to be, you know, obviously led by Tommy Mooney for a time and, and, and that particular group. And I know, obviously, Russell Martin you're still uh, still friends with today. And, and that, that group seemed pretty special, didn't it? 
Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, in football, you, you, you spend time in, in many, many dressing rooms. And to be fair, that, that first few years there, we still, we still, you know, talking to each other, which you don't see very often. And, and that dressing was, was very special with so much talent. And that's something that is, well, it's really hard to take how we did not get promoted with that team. Uh, but we went through a lot, that, especially that first year with, with John's, uh, John's wife uh, passing, with Mark Philo yeah, passing. It was, it was a very, very difficult year. But we still, yeah, like I said, we're still friends. We still got a group chat on WhatsApp that we, we always talk with Russ, um, with um, Blooms, which, uh, which is unbelievable. It's absolutely Mr. Wickham is a hero. He's still playing after so many years. And, so happy for him. He was, um, he was, you know, he was good when I was playing with him, and he's still going strong. Um, and yeah, we got about four or five players uh, that we're still talking. Was um, yeah, a very special group. And you must be so pleased to see that the team in the championship now, especially being in League Two when you were there. No, I was honestly. I watched. I watched the playoff games, and uh, and I was so happy. So happy for the club. Um, Gareth. I, I never really had a chance to meet Gareth, but. You know, I know he put so much work into it, and uh, I know Robo, which he was there uh, with the youth team when I was uh, a week home. And you know, he's such a nice guy. And uh, like I say, I know Matt Bloomfield. It's just so good to see like, a team who always, you know, work hard. It's a really, really family club, community base, and it's just so good to see like through hard work and dedication, they they managed to achieve to play in the championship and. You know, last night they only lost one nil against a very strong side, and and from the reports I read that they deserve better than that. So it's just just great to see. It'd be it'd be amazing to if they manage to stay to stay in the league. And so pleasing for you as well that you went on to play at a higher level and under Peterborough and, and and Crawley, and then you know to do so well in your career as well. Yeah, um, it, like I say, it wasn't easy at the time when I left because three years uh, is a long time, and and I had special special memory, but. At Peterborough, I was, I was happy. I ended up playing the championship uh, about 15, 15 uh, games, which was the highest I ever played. And But, you know, mentally I went through a little bit of tough time because I wasn't playing that much that first year at Peterborough. And it's not easy. It's not easy once once you play nearly every game to go and not really play or the manager don't take you to games. Uh, psychologically, uh, you, you, you struggle. But then I, my move to Crawley was uh, was amazing. Was it's similar to to the feelings I got for for Wickham, You know that we got promotions. We we end up playing at Old Trafford in the FA Cup, which is probably the biggest game of my career. And then again, I fall in love with, with that club as well. It's got Wickham and uh, and Crawley are, are very very similar to me in what I was saying about the dressing room. It was another amazing dressing room, and it's just just the clubs are very very similar in in what they do how. They are in the community and, yeah, special times for me as well there. And you played for three managers, all, all with very thick Scottish accents as well. That must have, that must have been tricky for you. <laughs> Honestly, I had so many Scottish managers in England. Uh, that I call, uh, uh, From John Gorman, uh, Darren Ferguson, Steve Evans, Paul Lambert. I just, uh, you know, I even had um, Mar McGee last, uh, <laughs> last year. Uh, um, at East Mombara, it was yeah, <laughs> two years ago, which uh, is crazy. But yeah, it was uh, the, the hardest one to to understand was definitely Paul. <laughs> I did that first. I remember the first meeting we had was he talked for about half an hour, and I was like, <laughs> I came out of that meeting 
and I understood one 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 <laughs> word, I think. And uh, and then I said to to Brownie, the assistant manager, I said, "Can you please translate what said?" <laughs> it was so funny. So tell us how the documentary came about, because it really is a great watch, and you must be so pleased with how it's come out. Oh, brilliant! Uh, thank you for, for for giving it a watch. Um, yeah, this um, uh, this guy Jasper, he's he's from from the Netherlands, and a few years ago he sent me an email and saying if I ever thought about, and I was like, look, I, a lot of people told me about the, trying to do something, uh, but I was like, I haven't got the money, and 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 it cost. I, I presume it would cost a lot of money. So he said, um, yeah, I need to do a, a degree for, for my studies. And he said, have you heard of Kickstarter? I was like, no. He said, well, apparently through the funds, you can reach money. So I was like, well, we can give it a go. And yeah, that's how we came about, basically. And he said, um, we we done the math, how much money we're going to spend on, on, on ticket to go to Argentina, to go money spent to go to Old Trafford and all the clubs around that I played. Um, and of course, buying some new equipment, new a decent camera, and then yeah, that's that's how we came about really. And we managed to get nine thousand pounds in four weeks, which uh, which was crazy. I couldn't believe how many fans from Wickham, Crawley, Peterborough, all the clubs I play, and people who just tried to help me, friends, managed to to uh, to reach that money. And it took us a year. We were traveling everywhere and it was everything done by him and me, basically. We even had to put the goals up when we went to Crawley. Uh, the goals were not on the pitch. So it's just me and him like trying to put this massive goal. We nearly, we nearly broke our hands. But it was, it was really, really enjoyable. And I'm so pleased that after such a long time, we managed to get it on a few different platforms, Amazon Prime, Sky Store. And so people can, can, can see... The, the story and like I said it's about dreams and about you know going for it because were there were there points obviously it must be really reflective for you to be able to put the documentary together but were there points when you started out in Argentina and you, you, you were you confident that you would be you would end up at you know at a league club or, or where you thought well I could end up at, at Basingstoke Town or something <laughs> uh, nah when, when I was playing back home I, I try in few professional clubs there to you know, like, because it's my country, and then I was like, I, I really want to play in the Premier League back then. But it just didn't. I went on trial to three, four clubs, and it just no, I, it didn't. It didn't happen. So it was so hard. That's why I decided. I decided to leave. But I never thought I would have the career I had, and I'm, I'm so pleased. You know, and I never got to play in the Premier League. But for me, um, I don't know, having this this nine, ten years I was professional. Uh, it's just, you know, I've done what I love for ten years and nothing more than just play football and and that's uh, that's enough for me, yeah. I think what's really nice about it as well, because as I say, at the beginning, people may know kind of bits of your story, like so they, they may have heard that you worked at Boots, but it's fantastic to hear from, you know, your supervisor at the time and the couple that you stayed with in, in Basingstoke. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was, it was amazing. And, and, and I'm still really good friends and that's what, one of the things. I met so through football. I met so many friends for life, and so many people trying to help. Like I was, I was really, really impressed with the kindness of 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 the English people, especially yeah, you know, having this Argentinian coming and going to to the house from one of the fans, like living there or um, working in boots. And the supervisor became one of my friends, and and still talking like the day of today. So it was um, like I said, you know. It's, Football not just gave me that. It also gave me my family because I met my wife through football 
going on a preseason tour to Germany thanks to Paul Lambert. Like how how life you know uh, uh, follow that little line. And then if if Paul Lambert was never the manager at Wickham, I will never be able to meet my wife and and yeah have have kids like I got now. So yeah, it's just. Um, just amazing. It's a lovely story. You couldn't understand the manager, but uh, because of him, you've met your wife. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, I did understand after after a few weeks. <laughs> you I, get used I, to it, I, don't you? I got used to it. Yeah, it's weird, but I got, uh, you got used to it. And Paul, Paul was brilliant with me. He was absolutely brilliant. And uh, uh, yeah, no, like I said, thanks to his contacts in, in Dortmund, uh, I met my wife. I'm sure she's very grateful as well. <laughs> yeah, I invited him to the wedding, but he couldn't make it. <laughs> oh. I was going to say as well, there's really good use of music in the, in the documentary. I think that really sort of helps with the mood, doesn't it? Yeah, um, like I said, Jasper has done an amazing job for... He was only 23 what, a couple of years ago, and his first this is his first movie. And then, honestly, the music is, is amazing. Uh, we were happy. Uh, we were like, pleased with the, with the songwriter that he helped us. Alistair Griffin is the main one that we use quite a few songs of him. And he was really happy to give it to us. Uh, like I said, so many people help us to to do this documentary, and and uh, and then Jasper started an amazing job. And yeah, I'm I'm so pleased for him. And there are some outtakes at the end, which are good fun as well. <laughs> They're quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, now I hope you know. I hope people enjoy it. That's that's the main thing. There's a joke about a skeleton going to a party as well. <laughs> oh, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not a highlight. Um, but but there are some very good bits in it. It's, it's a fantastic watch, and as you say, a brilliant kind of uh, message for people about you know following your dreams. Yeah, exactly. That, that that's the end message we, we want to send. You know, we never made this this movie with the um, to make money because we end up losing money, me and Jasper. But you know, we just wanted the story to be out there. And, and hopefully, like I say, it's by one of two kids, which uh, you get so many rejections. I had so many rejections that saying, you're not good enough, you're not tall enough, you're small, you this, you that. But if you believe in yourself and then you try your hardest, you got more chances to, to succeed than not. It would make a really good Christmas gift, wouldn't it, to, to any Wickham fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I think it will. And uh, uh I think there's some people that still remember me there. <laughs> oh, very memorable, very memorable. So, well, just uh, finally, tell us what you're what you're doing now. Uh, well, now I'm um, well, I'm working for. Well, you, you mentioned Russell Martin. He opened up his uh, foundation uh, four years ago, and I've been working for 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 Russ in the academy, in the foundation. We're doing so much work here in Brighton with the community, and it's amazing what what Russ you know have put together, and that's that's the kindness that that guy has uh, in himself. And also, I'm, um, I finished playing last year uh, at East Bombara. And then since that day, it's been a year and a half now, uh, nearly a year and a half that I've been the, the assistant manager. And I'm really, I'm really enjoying and learning, learning the role of, uh, I'm, do, I'm doing all the coaching and everything. So I'm still doing the, I'm doing the UFIA license at the moment. And yeah, I, I just want to learn as much as I can on, you know, on the other side uh, of, of the white line. Oh, so pleasing for him as well to to have the career that he's had to do, go on to Norwich and do so well and, and play for Scotland as well and now, now into management himself. Uh, Russ, Russ, you know, he's a top top guy, um, very very respected in football. He had an amazing amazing career, but he's another one. I I always said to him, I think you should do a documentary, Russ, because you're you're you know you got really really. He basically his hard work. I never met anyone who with such a dedication, hard work, and what he achieved in, in his life um, is amazing. And now, you know, being 
from one day to another being the manager in the league one club is not it's not something that, that easy and I think he's doing well I'm just yeah so pleased for him so if he does do a documentary and he needs a joke for the end perhaps you can do something better than the skeleton one <laughs> definitely <laughs> well thank you so much for your time it's been brilliant to speak to you and um, I wish you and your, your family a very happy Christmas as well uh, thank you Colin uh, happy Christmas to you and to everyone uh, all the Wigan fans listening to this and hopefully when things go back to normal I will try to um, to go and watch a game really enjoyable speaking to uh, Sergio I think that's lifted the mood hasn't it that was a fab interview I really enjoyed that he was he just sounded lovely as as you would expect he sounded as you would expect him to be you know he always was one of those players he always played with a smile on his face and that was exactly how he sounded in that interview and it's such a heartwarming uh, documentary I watched The Unknown, Unknown Torres during lockdown one it was it was fantastic to see there'll be, I'm sure there'll be other lockdowns as well there'll be <laughs> It's <laughs> like oh, the Fast the and the other, Furious. There'll uh, be like nineteen of them, I expect. Uh, uh, other sort of Geo Torres documentaries, possibly as well. But we looked it up on um, IMDb, and there's a there's a fantastic review, which I think really sums it up, probably yeah, we, in better words than, than we could talk. We about really it. like this. Uh, so it says, uh, I highly recommend this documentary film about the footballing life of Sergio Torres. The the football journey in itself is unbelievable and inspiring, but actually the bigger impact is how this young man seemed to positively positively impact everybody that he came across along the way. The total absence of cynicism is rare in professional sport but Sergio Torres comes across as someone who simply retained the childlike awe of playing a game that he loved the scenes with his dad were particularly touching a beautiful bond between father and son it is a fantastic watch I thoroughly recommend it and as mentioned it'd be a great a great Christmas gift for, for a Wicked Wanderers fan uh, brilliant to chat to uh, Sergio Torres uh, final part of the show on the way love music love talk love Wickham sound Still to come on this week's The Wickham Wanderer Show, to give it its proper name, but I think on this week's Wickham Wanderer Show sounds better, uh, we'll be previewing uh, the game against QPR, with no fans, uh, on Saturday, and also we're catching up with uh, Wickham Wanderer's ladies' uh, latest re- re- reincarnation of their season, which uh, began uh, on, on Sunday uh, against one of the fancy teams in their division. But first, as mentioned a little earlier on, uh, we've got a fantastic competition for you. We have been talking about the Sergio Torres documentary, which was a great watch. And now we've got another great watch for you. It's an actual watch. It's really, really nice as well. It, is, it does look it's very quality and, and looks very fancy. It's a very smart timepiece. Yes, indeed. That's with the Wicked Wanderer's badge in the middle. In fact, there's two. Uh, so uh, we've teamed up with Claude Even Bernard. more exciting. There's two. There's two watches, but you can only win one. Okay. Um, so the ones you can win, uh, there's a, a, a blue one, as you'd expect. It's a blue, blue leather strap. And there's the, the club badge. Um, I don't know what I'm looking at. That's not it. Um, there's, there's a blue, there's a blue club badge on it, and uh, the, the strap has uh, illuminous uh, elements to it as well. Uh, but also in in the range, you might call it. There's a, there's a bracelet watch as well, a silver one, which is the one that we understand that Pete Kuhick has gone for. Yes, stylish. Uh, so uh, here's Mark Kane from Claude Bernard to uh, explain a bit about uh, how the company got involved with the, the now Championship Club. Well, I went to see um, Wigan Wanderers last December and I was very impressed with the show that I saw and I thought, gosh, you know, this club are going places. They're, uh, they're going to get promotion. And I don't know what it was, but I just something in my head said they're going to win promotion to the Championship. So over the Christmas holidays last year, I thought, gosh, you know, they are going to get promotion. And uh, so I approached the club in January of this year and... Um, I said, look, you're going to get promotion. I specialise in watches, Claude Bernard Swiss watches. Can I make a special watch for you that if you do get promotion, you'll have something to commemorate your achievement? And they said to me, well, do you think we'll get promotion? And, you know, 
lost the last two games in a row. This was sort of mid to end of January. I said, you've got to get promotion. I can see the team. I can see, you know, the camaraderie in the team, the spirit in the team. You know, you've got some fantastic uh, strikers there. You're going to get it. And they said, OK, uh, why not make a prototype and show us, you know, what it would look like? So in February, towards the end of February this year, I had a prototype watch for them. And they said, yeah, that's nice. We like it. Can you make it for us? And I said, yep, um, it will take three months, three to four months, because it's going to be made in Switzerland. Um, they're really precise in how they do things. It's going to take a, three or four months, so it will be the start of the new season in 2020, when you've got promotion. And <laughs> they sort of giggled with my confidence and the fact that I was so persistent that Wigan were going to get promotion to the championship. And I said, you know, I'm taking a big bet on this and, uh, you know, financially and putting a lot of investment into this for you, for the fans. I said, you're going to do it. So anyway, COVID struck at the end of March and I thought, that's it. When will clubs reopen? Will there ever be fans back in the grounds again? What's going to happen? No one knows. Luckily, Wickham got into the playoffs and um, they phoned me up and they, they said, are you still confident we're going to win? I said, yes, yes. I said, you've only got two games to win and you're going to do it. Well, you can imagine the final game against Oxford United. I was sitting on my sofa thinking to myself, I've ordered these watches from the factory. It's been very difficult getting the managing director in Switzerland to produce these individual watches for me. If Wickham don't get promotion tonight, I'm going to have a loss and I'm going to have a lot of egg on my face. <laughs> well, as you know, with the, um, the Jacobson penalty... Uh, they they got through and they won. So that was it. Production cranked up. They made the watches and we got delivery just a few weeks ago. The watches, as I say, are made by Claude Bernard, the Swiss watchmaking company, last of the independent family-owned Swiss watchmakers. So they're quite unique. And uh, the boxing is made locally here in High Wycombe. The packaging is made locally here in High Wycombe. The artwork, the design, everything is local. So there's quite a, a good local content in the package. And I think the fans will be delighted because they're very high quality, very good finish, and it's something they can have for decades to come and show other people decades from now. Tell us about the watches themselves. You've got two that you brought along to show us. There's a bracelet watch and a leather strap one as well, which is, the leather strap is blue. Yes, uh, the leather strap's blue, wick and blue. We match the colours of the shirts to two shades of blue. They've got both watches have the wick and logo on the front, and on the reverse of the watch we have, on the back of the watch we have again the wick and logo, and we have special commemorative writing saying promotion 2020 on the back of the watch, and there is also space on the back of the watch to engrave your name, so that's quite a nice feature. A lot of watches today, you can't actually engrave the back. There's not enough space or the metal isn't quite right. But these are good old watches that you can engrave the back of. We've left space for that. And you've got the special promotion 2020 watch to show generations of Wickham supporters and future the first time that we got into the championship in 133 years. And I think as well, the first thing that strikes you is, is the quality. They do look really smart, and, and you wear one yourself as well. I do. I'm very proud to wear this one. The quality is very high. As you can imagine, the Swiss are perfectionists, and uh, they make something that's going to last. So uh, that was the whole reason for making it. We wanted something like a medallion, you know, something that would last and commemorate the, the great achievement of Wigan Wanderers this season. 
And tell us a bit more about the company and, and your association with them. Well, I've known Claude Bernard for over 20 years. I actually bought my first Claude Bernard watch in, in Geneva over 20 years ago. I used to work uh, in banking and investment, and I used to go to Switzerland quite a lot. And uh, I saw the watches in the window, and I, I said to the chap there, I said, you know, these are really good watches. How much are they? And I was quite surprised to see how inexpensive they were for a Swiss watch. And so I bought one, and I, I still wear it. Um, and uh, it's now, what, about 22 years old? So they will last, and that's the whole reason for uh, my association. I like quality, and the company is all about quality, and they make things on a, on a small scale. So it's very, very nice. And really great to have that local link as well. You are saying um, yourself, you're based in Beaconsfield, and, and the packaging's done locally as well. It is. Uh, we wanted as much local content as we could in the packaging. The art designers, the graphics designers, the people who print the cards, the people who print the boxes every aspect we want is much local input and it's just wonderful to see the quality locally that we can we can produce here in High Wycombe so it's a good match for the Swiss so uh, well done High Wycombe and really nice to have such a quality product to have as a commemorative thing if you like to, to mark the occasion of being in the championship it is it's not something you, you know that you're going to lose in a year's time or, or wash away in a year's time <laughs> so these are designed to last and to be proud of and wear every day the blue leather strap retails at £155 and the bracelet strap, the steel bracelet strap, retails at £195 because of the extra work and the extra finish in that one. But they're both sub 200 quid, which is fantastic for a Swiss watch. And of course the, the club gets a, a revenue stream from this as well. So you're supporting local businesses, the local club, and uh, you've got something to keep for a as long as you're going to live because these watches are, are designed to last and you very kindly uh, donated us a watch for, for listeners to win as a competition prize yeah i thought it was nice to give something to uh, to the fans and as i say that's the whole reason that this uh, uh, adventure has be begun it was to make sure the fans get something to commemorate the achievement of wicked wanderers this season um yeah very much so Mark Kane uh, from uh, the fantastic uh, watch, the official Wickham Wanderers watch, uh, brought to us uh, very kindly by uh, Claude Bernard. Uh, he's based in Beaconsfield, and uh, you have the chance to win uh, the official Wickham Wanderers watch. Here's how. Okay, the question that we want you to answer uh, to be in with a chance of winning uh, the watch is: we want you to tell us uh, the time. That tell us that Wickham's first goal was scored in the championship uh, so it can either be the, the actual time that it was or it can be the time in the particular game we're, we're being kinder we're offering you either option um, but what was the time of the first goal that we scored in the championship to enter um, it is an email only competition uh, you have to uh, send your entry to the email address which is twws at wickhamsound.org.uk that is twws as in the Wickham Wanderer Show at wickhamsound.org.uk um, uh, the competition is open uh, until uh, one minute past midnight on Monday <laughs> we're slightly taking a, a, a leaf out of Matt Hancock's book there um, and we will announce uh, the winner uh, on Monday's mid-morning show here on Wickham Sound. So I'm if you're listening to the podcast it's after Monday you yeah, can't. <laughs> yes absolutely a bit like they say on, on ITV too. Exactly. If, you, if you're watching on Plus catch one. Up, yeah, yeah, the, the, don't, don't vote. The, don't enter no. uh, but yes I, I will bring you the result on Monday because I'm doing mid-mornings on Monday 
and we'll feature the winner obviously on next week's show as well so uh, uh, well worth listening out for that it's a fantastic competition it's a fantastic prize uh, we've also had a question with regards to the Sergio Torres documentary um, the documentary is called The Unknown Torres uh, The Unknown Torres if you search for that on uh, the internet uh, then you should be able to find it I think there is a website dedicated to the film yes you um, can download it or you can buy a physical copy uh, it's available on Amazon Prime as well and uh, Sky Store too so there's plenty of opportunity if you get it and as, as we said it's make a fantastic Christmas gift uh, and we haven't got very long I know so we should also mention Wicked Wanderers Ladies <laughs> so we suddenly uh, sped up I know, <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's suddenly like oh goodness any other business ready. yes <laughs> quick <laughs> indeed we've only got about two minutes to go this always happens on the show uh, so uh, yeah Wicked Wanderers Ladies unfortunately lost uh, on the weekend to Abingdon uh, Abingdon however though are flying at the top of the Southern Region Women's Football League at the moment they've played four and won four so they have 12 points uh, we are currently in fourth place uh, played three uh, one two lost one we have six points uh, there are four other teams uh, on six points in that division at the moment which is quite impressive considering that there are actually only 10 teams in the division um, at the weekend uh, they are home to the Winchester City Flyers quick mention for QPR uh, QPR indeed uh, so obviously uh, a very big game for Gareth Ainsworth uh, playing one of his former clubs um, a side that clearly uh, started okay and, and very much the, the wheels seem to have come off over the past few weeks uh, so fingers crossed and if you were writing a movie script say of the year that Wicked Wanderers have had I think maybe you might make the finale Gareth meeting his old team just before Christmas with Wickham actually really, really, really needing the three points. And we got them again next month as well. Uh, we have, yes. The strange uh, sort of like way that the fixture computer does these things. Uh, yes, well, it's not very long that we have to wait until we meet them again. Uh, they are currently in 19th position in the Championship um, in the 19 games so far this season. They have won four, um, drawn seven uh, and lost eight. Uh, their record is not particularly good uh, over the last five games. Uh, they have lost three games and drawn twice um, but of course we have a slightly worse record than that in, in our last five games now we have lost four and drawn one thank you very much Nita. if you've been taking part in our Twitter poll this week uh, we asked you how many points you'd think Wickham would get after the next 20 games so after 40 games in the championship got 11 going into uh, that uh, we gave you a number of options including double that 22 less than 22 or more than 22 very pleased to report uh, that uh, the majority have gone with more than 22 yeah, I think so, and you would really hope so, because by the time the 40 games comes round, if we're going to have any chance of survival whatsoever, we need to be slightly more in the sort of like the 40 mark, I would think. Uh, we'll be back on Christmas Eve, looking ahead to the festive fixtures, and give you another chance to hear our, ca- our catch-up, our chat with Martin O'Neill, which is uh, definitely well worth another listen. Oh yes, I, you know, it's, uh, that's one of those things I could listen to on repeat, because he's just got a nice soothing voice as well, hasn't he? <laughs> And there are some very funny elements in that as well. Yeah, there are indeed. Uh, and if you want to listen to this one again, because again, I thought the Sergio Torres interview was excellent. I would like to listen to it again, so you can catch up with us on the podcast from all good podcast platforms. Enjoy. <laughs>